Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Love Letters to Baseball. My name is Jackson Roberts and I love baseball. You guys already know the drill by now. It's the end of the month of June, the start of July, and therefore it is time for State of the Show. It's me, it's Tosh Myers, and it is a lot of MLB talk, so I'm excited to bring it to you. I wanted to apologize for the inconsistency in posting schedule. Uh, Life's a little hectic, not exactly sure what it's going to look like going forward. Would love to keep doing this as much as possible, Uh, but I am heading off to grad school this week, so... Uh, It is in sports media, so it's going to be very much related to the things that I do on here, but we'll see what kind of time I have to fit this in. I will do it as often as I can, and I've appreciated all the support so far. Other than that, looking forward to a great episode with Tosh today. Remember to follow at LL2Baseball on Instagram and Twitter, and let's go. Dear Baseball. Welcome back. It is the end of the month of June, and boy, do we have a treat for you all today. Tosh is back. Tosh is in studio. This is our first ever in-person podcast in the history of 2TV sports as a whole. Tosh, how are you feeling right now? Let's go, J-Rob. we got a lot of good baseball to talk about. Season is basically halfway over. My Giants are still in first place. Drew still in first place. Good to talk some baseball today, so I'm pumped. It is a glorious day. It is currently July 3rd. We are over halfway through the entirety of the season, technically. Most teams have played at least 82 baseball games, a couple exceptions. I believe the Mets are still pretty far behind. They got some catching up to do, but we'll get there. And I think we're starting to see a lot of things take shape, both in an expected and unexpected way in terms of the standings, in terms of the overall breakdown of the league. But we're going to start on the All-Star game because that's hot in the streets right now. And the uh, starters were just announced this past week. We've got some pretty good talent from the NL and AL, some maybe some questionable picks. But just looking it over, uh, are there any things that jump out to you in terms of controversy or things you don't want to see from these All-Star starters? Things I don't want. Well, I just want to talk about Buster Posey for a second. Get it off your chest. Starting the All-Star game. This guy's 34 years old. Everyone wrote him off, batting like 330, starting in the All-Star game, 12 homers. So shout out to him. Um, so there's a few people who, who should not be starting. One of them is, is Freddie Freeman, who is not having a good year. And Max Muncy got robbed. But Max Muncy's kind of a douchebag. So I'm, I'm kind of down for that, honestly, J-Rob. Um, and then your boy, Aaron Nato, also. I don't know about that one. So those are the first two that jumped to my mind of, of, uh, of some snub action going on. Interesting. So I, I'm with you on Freeman, obviously. I think that Muncy was the clear and away choice for first base in the National League. I'm not as with you on Arenado. I think the defense makes up for maybe like 20 points of OPS that he's lost on Turner and Chris Bryant. So I don't know. NL NL third base was kind of sneaky weak this year. I just uh, don't I just don't get what else like Justin Turner has to do to get recognized. I mean, this guy's batting third, second, fourth, where wherever you want to put him for the Dodgers for the last eight years. He's consistently, you know, over an eight fifty OPS guy. He's just this dude can hit. And it's I think I you know, the Dodgers are the second best team in baseball. 
they're right there at the top of their division. They're coming off a World Series. This guy's playing great baseball. Like he didn't get paid this offseason. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, and he's just for me, it's time for him to get recognized. He, I mean, he's only made one All Star game. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's going to make the second one. He's going to be on the team this year, and that's part of my thing with the All Star roster is that maybe like if I had to vote, it would have been down to those two in my mind and. Honestly, like, I could have seen myself voting for Turner. It probably would have just come down to, like, how big the OPS gap was on the day that I was casting my ballot. But all these guys that are deserving are pretty much going to make it. And when you're having the fans vote, games in Colorado, Arenado has played in Colorado his whole career. Uh, he's a bigger star. He's a better defender. So I have no problem with him earning the starting spot here. I think there's some guys that we really need to talk about that didn't get starting spots that are much more important, much more upsetting. Who would you say? Because I, I voted for the All-Star. You know, I'll do one All-Star ballot a year just to see, you know, where I stand on this. And I think every single position is exactly what I voted other than um, Muncy over Freeman, like I said, Turner over Arenado. And then I didn't have uh, Trout in there. I had uh, Brantley over Trout because Trout just hasn't played that many games. But other than that, I think every position is exactly how I vote. Cedric Mullins needs to be starting the All-Star game for the American League. That is the biggest tragedy. Cedric Mullins, having a career year on a shit team, he's careering it in OPS. He's a great defensive center fielder. And... If he played in Yankee Stadium, he'd have 22 home runs, and he's only got 13. So, I don't know. I, I hate that Trout I, – I hope Mullins gets the start in his place. I think it's tragic that Mullins finished sixth in the voting. That just shows me that fans really aren't paying attention to what he's been up to this year. Uh, but overall, so my, my general stance on the All-Star game and the fan vote, which we can get into, is that the fan vote is kind of a necessary evil. Like, I don't agree with some of their t- – uh, some of their – positioning sometimes I think Mullins should have been starting I think honestly I would have had either Brantley or Adolis Garcia over Teoscar Hernandez as well that was the other one that kind of didn't vibe with me but like I said all these guys who are deserving like Garcia is going to make it Mullins is going to make it Brandon Crawford's going to make it in the NL uh, Justin Turner is going to make it all these guys who we think got maybe snubbed I don't, nobody thinks that Crawford got snubbed from a starting spot but you get the point these guys Deserve to make it. Don't you dare. Don't you start with me, Tosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Trey Turner is going to make it. All these guys who are really, really solid, um, maybe didn't finish in the top three of the voting, are still going to make it. How about Matt Olson? Talk to me about Matt Olson. That one pisses me off the most out of all the voting. I heard. Really, Matt Olson's an absolute stud. I mean, he's carrying the A's lineup over 900 OPS. Like, he's, he came off a really poor year. I kind of didn't know if he was going to be able to hit. And He's just been amazing, and he's, he's such a big guy, and seeing a big guy hit like he does is, is pretty fun to watch. But, I mean, dude, you can't have him over Vlad Guerrero Jr., right? No, not at all. But he's, to me, he's probably been the second-best first baseman in baseball this year. You can debate between him and Muncie. Um, and not being – he wasn't included in the final three at first base. Wow. So that was what really upset That's me. That's what you get when you don't spend money on a franchise for the last 20 years. That's fair. But, I mean, Jose Abreu, not even in the same ballpark as him this yeah. year. It really – I mean, I'm, a, I'm in on the fan voting. I, I don't really understand this whole, like, three – the top three move on and there's a new vote. Like, to me, it's just like it should just be a cumulative thing. And if your guy isn't getting enough votes, like, that's on your team. And if he's worthy, he'll make the All-Star game. Like, there's really only a few guys here that I think are, snu- are like, really bad selections. 
Um, so I think, and it's a great way to involve fans. Like I'm down to see a lot of these guys play. Like I've got no issue with fan vote. Good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I, the only thing that I struggle with is the, the team voting. Uh, if we remember about six, seven years ago, the Royals basically had the entire starting lineup in the American league because they won the world series that year and their fans were super jazzed to vote for the all-star game. It kind of happened again with the Cubs this year, which talk about a weird team to have that happen to. They're not very good. And Hayward, Peterson, Nico Horner, they were all kind of close to being uh, in the picture. Yeah, Hayward's terrible. I don't know. Like, if you're a Cubs fan, why are you even voting for Hayward yeah. when he's been as bad as he is? That just screams like I'm clicking all the Cub boxes and not even paying attention <laughs> to who it is. But I, Dude, I am happy, though, that Adam Fraser is getting the start at second base. I mean – arguably been the best second baseman in the baseball. When I saw him on the list, I was like, there's, there's no way he's going to be able to beat out Ozzy Albies and Gavin Lutz just because of those two teams' fan bases. But he did, and I'm, I'm pumped to see Adam Frazier in the All-Star game because when the Giants went into Pittsburgh and played, played uh, them, him and Brian Reynolds, who is, uh, I think, leading the NL in war, uh, were – crazy tough to get out at the top of their lineup and single-handedly like won them one of the games yeah and I love I think if there were there should be a DH spot in the National League for the all-star game and I think you can make a really strong case that Reynolds should have had that spot uh, if it did exist it's obviously the NL outfield is as crowded picture as you can get I mean between Acuna Winker and Castellanos you're talking about three of the top 10 hitters in baseball this year but Reynolds isn't that far behind if you go back and look at the numbers Uh, 160 WRC plus is the number that really sticks out to me he's been in a terrible lineup all year and still doing his thing when he knows that every pitcher is going to be focused on him. So he and Frazier are really, really good. And I, I wish they had more support around them. And hopefully yeah. in the coming years, I mean, I, I, the problem is the pirates just have terrible ownership and that goes for a lot of the teams that we talk yeah. about that are just going nowhere, whether it's the Rockies, the pirates, the tigers, whoever it might be, they just don't have the ownership to commit resources to rebuilding it properly. But it's still fun to see guys like that ball out on bad teams. Yeah, the good thing about the fan vote, I think, though, is, like, with a guy like Reynolds, like, I don't need him to start the All-Star game. Like, he's not that big of a star. You know, I'd rather see some of these – I'd rather rather see Acuna starting the All-Star game, and that's what will happen when the fans are voting. Like, down to see Reynolds come in in the sixth inning, get in the bat, like, get recognized, but I don't need to see him starting. Like, I want the stars starting. Yeah, and in regards to, like, Trout, for example, like, obviously – we don't really think Trout should be – I mean, he's not going to start the game. I'm okay with him having the all-star selection because he's Mike Trout, and he's, he was going to have all-star numbers before he got hurt. And the fact that he is, quote-unquote, taking a starting spot away from someone else, like, no, he's not. Like, this happened every single year in the NBA with Yao Ming, first of all, and, and then Kobe toward the end of his career. That one made me more angry than Mike Trout because Kobe wasn't actually good anymore. Mike Trout still – fantastic and would have been right there in that spot had he not gotten hurt and honestly Byron Buxton was pretty close right behind him as well so that one he didn't quite earn the spot and he probably won't make it on the roster due to his injury but he was having a great season too and I have no doubt that he'd be there but any other thoughts on the all-star team I mean I wanted to say first of all anyone who's talking about Correa over Bogarts for shortstop in the American League just doesn't watch the Red Sox and that's okay people can form their opinions on Bogarts one way or another. People think his defense is so bad that he shouldn't be an all-star. Like, he's just not watching. He's he's Derek Jeter 2.0. 
he makes every play right at him and he doesn't have much range. But in terms of his offense, okay, you can't debate the offensive production. He's the major league leader in two strike hits. He's the best AL OPS shortstop for the past five years running. Like, dude deserves his spot, and I'm glad he got it. Yeah, I've been high on Bogarts for a while, so I've got no issues with that. Correa's having a good year. Yeah, and he'll be on the team. So, And they'll both get time in the game, and then we'll see in September who actually had the better year. So I'm not, I'm not stressing it. Um, but that's, that's kind of all we wanted to do on the All-Star game. Pretty excited to actually see the game this year and uh, see how the rest of the rosters fill out. Su- super excited to see the pitchers, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Uh, all right, awkward transition here, but it's now Monday, the day that we were releasing this pod. And obviously Tosh is not here, but just wanted to touch on the reserves for the All-Star game because – First of all, we've just been talking about how much Justin Turner deserves to be in the game and is going to be in the game, according to me. So far, he's not. So hopefully he gets named as an injury replacement, but it's a serious miscarriage of justice if Justin Turner ain't in this game. So that better get fixed as soon as possible. A couple more things I just wanted to mention because really I'm a little bit upset with some of the omissions here. Um, Starting the AL... Tyler Glass now needed to be on the team, even if he isn't going to be able to pitch. Uh, Shane Bieber got named an all-star, even though he's on the injured list and has no possibility of appearing in the game. So why couldn't we do Tyler Glass now if that was going to be the case? I have absolutely no clue as to why Bieber was chosen over Glass now. Uh, going off that, Shohei Otani was already in the game as a DH. I know it's a cool thing to be able to say, oh, Otani got named a two-way all-star, but frankly... He got rocked in his last outing. He never really goes that deep into games, and there are more deserving starters in the American League. But really, the National League is kind of where I have the most of my problems as well. If we look at some of the starting pitchers who got left out in the National League, there's some huge names that have no business not being all-stars. Let's start with Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller, I know pitchers' losses don't mean that much in general, but the guy's lost one decision in the past year and a half. 235 ERA, dudes a beast, should be on the all-star team. Uh, Freddie Peralta, big omission. I don't really see why his two teammates, especially like Corbin Burns, had the big streak to start the year and he was all over the news. But I would honestly say Peralta's outpitched him on the year overall and certainly since then. Uh, eats more innings, has more cumulative strikeouts. Um, he's just a beast. Uh, and Max Scherzer being left off the roster for the first time since 2011. Like, that one really bums me out. Scherzer's been a stud. He's carried the Nationals rotation, which has really been one of the biggest uh, – it's really been the part of the team that's suffered the most since they won the championship. He's really the glue holding them together, keeping them from just bottoming out. Uh, lastly – Chris Bassett, man, that dude is such a monster. He clearly is a better starting pitcher than Shohei, as much as I love Shohei in every way. Uh, I would I would give him the nod, and, and hopefully he will get the nod because a lot of guys are going to miss the game. Um, and I think there are lots of good guys. Like, relievers are not as much of a thing for me because there's so many great deserving relievers, and there's also guys that need to be – on a roster because their team needs a representative. So Gregory Soto makes it from the Tigers. I totally get that. But Aroldis Chapman has a 22 ERA. 
in the past month and a half. So I don't really understand why he's an all-star. I get that he had a pretty historic start to the season, uh, but there are much better options in the AL out of the bullpen. You can even talk about guys on his own team, like Chad Green and Jonathan Loisega, uh, or guys from division rivals like the Red Sox. Uh, they could have had another reliever for sure out of the pen. So that's my two cents on the all-star rosters. Now that we've seen the full picture, still super excited for the game. But if those names that I talked about, especially Bassett, Turner, uh, and, and Bueller, I think would be another one for me that if they get left off the roster, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset about it. So more to come in the next few days, but that will conclude our all-star discussion for the day. Back to the regular scheduled programming. And then how about in terms of the month of June overall, we had a lot of things going on, teams moving up and down the standings. We've got two huge winning streaks going on on each side of the league right now and we had some guys just go off this month so first of all let's talk about the players in the month there were two of them it was pretty obvious based on the performance on the field Shohei Otani in the American League Kyle Schwarber in the National League what stands out to you about those two guys specifically and why they were able to have the months they had I mean I did not see this coming from Schwarber I must admit I did not think that he would put the Nats on his back and uh, carry them into division contention race I mean I was almost ready to cross them off last uh, last episode so I mean this, what he's doing is pretty pretty insane uh, you have to think that the sticky substance thing is probably helping him a little bit um, just the high fastballs I feel like are not it's good of a pitch and then Otani yeah I mean same thing kind of I think and it's I mean, he's just insane. Like, he's insane. He's a prodigy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have more on, like, the details behind what's going on with these guys, but it's pretty insane what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, as we speak, Otani, two more home runs last night, so that wasn't even included in the Player of the Month statistics for the month of June, but he's taken over the league lead and taken it over by three over Vlad Jr., and Vlad Jr. had a great June as well. But the way Otani's been able to separate himself in the home run race and overall just been a great hitter all month. Uh, he obviously got roughed up in his last start on the mound. And it wasn't even like he just couldn't find the zone. So that's maybe a, a weird little dichotomy there with Shohei. Is, uh, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but his spin rates have been down much like other guys have. And if, he's, <laughs> if, he, if the sticky substances are taking his offensive numbers to the moon when also making him struggle a little bit, on the mound, like that's not something that you're going to really see with any other player in baseball. So uh, it does bring about the question of whether the Angels want to adjust their strategy at all with him, uh, whether that's taking him out of the lineup when he pitches, whether that's reducing his role as a pitcher and really letting him focus on the numbers he's putting up at the plate. Like, I don't know. The Angels are right around 500 right now, which is probably right about where everyone expected them to be, if not worse. Uh, and Trout's obviously still in the IL. So it's just something to watch. I think the Angels still have so much talent if they can ever just, just put it together. Yeah. No, no fiction for the Angels, once again. Dylan Bundy just got moved to the bullpen. Like, Otani is good, but I, you can't rely on Otani to be your ace every fifth day. Like, he needs to be in, you know, an extra piece to your rotation. Yeah, and so. his walk rates are high for an ace. Like, he has some of the best stuff in baseball when he's on, and he's proven that, and even in some pretty big games. But – uh, doesn't go super deep in the games. Not at all. And they um, don't, their bullpen's not amazing either. So it's like, 
they, they just, once again, need pitching. And this is a constant thing for them. And this is what I said in the preview. This is what I've been saying for – like, you need pitching. I don't know why they don't just go out and sign guys, you know, like the Giants do, like the Rays do. You sign these guys for $5 million deals. I guess maybe they're just, they are just don't know how to develop them. That's the issue that I was going to say was they did do exactly that this year. I think if you flip-flopped – the guys the Giants signed and the guys the Angels signed, they'd still be having – the Giants' numbers would still look a lot like their numbers and the Angels' numbers would still look a lot like their numbers. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think Anthony DiSclefani is just going to be good wherever you put him, but you put him with the right mix and the right coaching staff. It's a, mixture, a it's a mixture of being able to identify the guys who you know you can develop, and they clearly just do not know how to do that. Yeah. So, but I think if you put – Wade Davis and Jose Quintana on the Giants this year, they'd be a lot better than they are on the Angels. I don't know if yeah. they'd be I don't know if they'd be as good as some of the guys the Giants have been running out there. They'd be pretty yeah. good. And about the Giants, I mean, we'll we'll kind of put this part of the show in now. Like I want to talk about each other's teams a little bit and give each other some shine. Uh, obviously the Giants are having a great season. I'll get into why that why I think they're having so much success, but does anything concern you about some of the pitching trends we've seen. I mean, they obviously had the four-game losing streak just now. Uh, the Dodgers are hot on their tail. They have been all season. Uh, but in terms of, like, Alex Wood, DiScofani, any of those guys, is there anything that's troubling you in the past month? Uh, Alex Wood, definitely a little bit. He was a substance guy, sticky substance, and, and so he hasn't been throwing a slider as much. He, he's pitched well the last two times. DiScofani, not really worried about it all. I mean, he – has been pitching great. I think he gave up like three runs in Dodgers. He gave up like three hits though. It was like three home runs. So, I mean, not too worried about him. Him and Gosman are one of the best one twos at the top of the rotation. Uh, I am concerned just a little bit about just the back end of the rotation slash the back end of our lineup. We've had a lot of injuries. Lestella's out, Belt's out, Longoria's out. Um, and those are guys who are supposed to be three of the top five hitters in their lineup. And, and so now the lineup's a little bit thin. Uh, Logan Webb and Aaron Sanchez are out, our fourth and fifth starters. So now that's a little thin. Cuedos doesn't pitch well on the road. So I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, given the record that we have, it, we're gonna, really going to have to cool down and not make the playoffs. So in my position this whole time has been like, I don't really know if we're going to be able to beat the Dodgers in the division, but like it, we're going to be in the mix. So the Dodgers are a great team, but I think that we're going to be right there with them pretty much this entire year. I I'm with you. I don't, I worry about the Dodgers separating themselves a little bit. If the giants have another quick little skid, like they just did at the same time, the Dodgers could have another skid like they had a couple weeks back and, Ultimately, I do kind of agree with the pendulum thing. I still lean towards the Dodgers just on the basis of talent. Like you don't, you can't, you can't build a more talented roster than they have. Uh, even with the potential Trevor Bauer being out of the picture, which we'll get into soon, I promise. But uh, I, I do lean Dodgers in that division. But I wanted to give the Giants some shine. We've been giving the Giants some shine on this pod all year, but. They're the best team in baseball. We better go in some shine. Well, they're the best team in baseball by half a game after the last week that they just had. But uh, we're gonna give we're we're gonna give quick little soliloquy on each of each other's teams because uh, we we probably have spent too much time disparaging each other's team, uh, and we'll get into why we think 
the other team has been so good this year. So I'll start things off. The Giants. Look, I said coming into the year that I didn't necessarily believe in the roster they had constructed. That's been proven false. They've, through a mixture of player development, good scouting, overall, like they've, they've got a competitive advantage in a, in a number of ways. They've built a lineup that can hit the ball out of the yard in a really tough park to hit home runs. They're leading the National League in home runs. Uh, that wasn't something that anybody saw coming, but especially not myself. And honestly, like they just have found talent in places that people aren't looking for it. Like Lamont Wade Jr. comes in to trade. He's been outstanding so far. And the guy that he traded for him has been DFA'd twice already this year. Yeah. No, they just they, – they find these names and they turn them into great players. Di Sclafani, like you mentioned, been one of the best two starters in the NL this year. Kevin Galsman was around before, but uh, he wasn't necessarily a, a proven entity coming into this year. I mean, they were good signs, but he's been – and like, honestly, if DeGrom didn't exist, he'd be at the front runner in my mind for NL Cy Young so far. Uh, and then in terms of the lineup, like you just, you find names to make things happen. Uh, we talked about Wade, but there's, I mean, Posey's had a career rebirth. Crawford's had a career rebirth. And even further down the lineup, guys like, uh, I mean, Donnie Barrels has come alive a little bit recently. I don't know. You're not a huge Donnie Barrels guy, I don't think, but he's... He's been doing some Wilmer things. Wilmer Flores has been red hot. Wilmer Flores has been hot. I mean, Stephen Duggar. Duggar's been awesome. Should have mentioned him right from the top. Like, making finding a guy like that and turning him into an everyday player who can hit 850, 900 in the five to six hole in the lineup, like, that's, that's not something most teams are doing. So, that's my perspective, at least. I think the Giants are probably – a top three, maybe top one team in terms of player development right now. And that was something that people who were closer to the team, I think, saw coming at the beginning of the season, but not to this degree. And they're, they're not only outperforming expectations, but they're not doing it in a fluky way. So I definitely think they're still going to be there in terms of the, uh, the playoff mix heading down the road. Yeah, and one other thing on the Giants, too, in June, uh, bullpen ERA, 1.99. Best bullpen in baseball in June, so... Uh, that was a major flaw early in the year, but okay. Have they done anything to fix it though, or are they just yeah? So, they just had a good month. So they they basically what they they did is they signed all these all these kind of four A dudes, and they all were all starting in the minors: Dominique Leone, Jimmy Shurphy, um guys Zach Littell, guys like that, and they uh, went with the known commodities to start the season. A lot of those guys weren't pitching well. They got rid of them, brought in some new guys, and those guys are all pretty much dominating. Plus, uh, John Brebby is back, <laughs> former Cardinal, and he's throwing well, too. So Yeah. There's um, some uniforms. You just put a guy in a Giants uniform right now, he's going to have some success, whether that's in the yeah. lineup or out of the pen. So, okay. not much is, to it, about is it my turn for the Red Sox? I, I need to hear you give the Red Sox some shine. It's, it, it's funny because before the season, we were both high on our own team, and – the other person didn't believe it and we were both proven right. So, I mean, the Red Sox, like I, I've followed, I mean, I don't watch that many Red Sox games, but I've been following them just because Gerald's a big Red Sox fan. And it just, to me, it just seems like their middle of the order is just pretty insane. I mean, when you go Verdugo, Martin, Verdugo, Bogarts, Martinez, and um, Devers, like, those are four of the best hitters in baseball, pretty much. All back, back, back. Um, you're getting production from a few guys. I was really worried about the bottom of the order. Um, and that's kind of been proving true. But, like, 
Renfro's been producing. You're getting some stuff from like Christian Arroyo when he's healthy, Kike. So that's that's a good position to be in is when the bottom of your order is the biggest weakness because sometimes random guys come through. So I'm not worried about your lineup at all anymore. Uh, the pitching does worry me a little bit, but Evaldi being back and healthy, which is something I never thought would have happened, and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, the bullpen seems to be coming somewhat good, I guess you could say. Um, Matt- well, it's good. I don't. I don't want to like overstep, but the the bullpen is good. Like we we gave up two home runs to the A's last night, but other than that, the bullpen's been locking it down. Yeah, I don't think that's a fluke. And I mean, really that's guys. something that you that you'd know more about because you're watching all these games. Some of the names in there, I don't know if I fully trust, but they've been producing. So um, I think that that's something that I, I feel like you guys could use a, a legitimate closer. Uh, I don't know. Really, I mean, it's hard. To, I like. I don't know if Brad Hand's really the guy that I would go after. Some of the like peripherals. Are if you think I want him. Brad Hand coming in to take save opportunities away from Matt Barnes, you're insane. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I think I. I Dominant closer, Craig Kimbrell, if the Cubs are, are, are uh, selling. Like, someone like that could be good. And some, some back-of-the-rotation pieces, I think, could be good. If you guys are planning on making a serious postseason run, I, I do think you need a little bit more pitching. But um, we do need another starting pitcher. Luckily, we have one coming back. His name's Chris Sale. Yeah, he's, so that's he's not gonna bad. Be, that's going to be a huge factor. If he can come back, I mean, I haven't seen – how I've seen some of the clips. How, do you know how hard he's throwing? He's been – so, I mean, this is – take it all with a grain of salt because it's sim game. Some guys might run high in sim game. Some guys might run low. But he's been sitting like 93, 94 and getting up to 95. Okay, so, yeah, you'll take that. So, yeah, he if he comes back and is 90% of Chris Sale, I mean, that's a huge addition. That's yeah. probably a bigger addition than anyone can make. It Nobody's doing like, that, exactly. Like, so. Max Scherzer is not going to be on the trade block anymore with the way the Nats have been playing. So, I don't think there's a frontline ace available in the trade market this year. And if the Red Sox get 90% of 2018, 2017 Chris Sale, that is a frontline ace. So, I think they'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm high on the Red Sox. I think that they're going to win that division. And I think it might not be that close. So. Yeah, well, that's a, a trend that's just come about in the last week. So when I was in Tampa watching some Red Sox-Rays game a week ago, uh, the day I left, the Red Sox were half a game back of the Rays, having lost one of the weirdest baseball games I've ever watched <laughs> in that game where both starters had a no-hitter going for a while, and then eventually the Rays end up winning it on a walk-off wild pitch. But with all that being said, ever since then, the Red Sox have won eight in a row. And the Rays have lost five out of their seven since then. They've really been struggling. So with the Rays struggling, with the Yankees really struggling, uh, and the Blue Jays are playing pretty well of late, but also have never really been able to break through the ceiling and get to like seven to ten games above 500. Like I don't – there aren't really any major scares for me right now. I think the Rays are still the biggest threat, but – They've got some problems in the lineup, and I don't know if their pitching is really like they, they, they need to add as well, and I don't think they necessarily will. So I love the spot the Sox are at in the division, and it comes back to many of the same things that we talked about with the Giants is player development. They brought in guys from other teams who were basically cast-offs, like Adam Adovino. The Yankees didn't want him. The Yankees paid for him to come to a division rival because they said the Sox weren't a threat this year and they wanted to be under the luxury tax threshold. 
Adovino's been one of the best setup men in baseball for the past month and a half. And Garrett Whitlock, same thing. The Yankees didn't care enough about him to pr- protect him in the Rule 5 draft as a prospect. And the Red Sox said, we do, we'll take him. He's been one of the <laughs> – like, he's, he's been dominant. He gave up a home run last night. Other than that, been a complete shutdown relief ace for the past – really the whole season. Uh, and then in the lineup, like Renfro was a guy that wasn't very highly valued. The Red Sox signed him to a th- uh, two-year deal. And he's been, just in the past month, raised his OPS from like mid sixes to low eights. Like that's, that's a legit month. And he's been also the best defensive right fielder in the American League. So I don't know, man. I think, I think they're in a really good spot. Fangraph still only has them at a 91% playoff percentage, which I guess is high, but still like doesn't really speak to how good I think they are and how good I think they can be. Uh, and yeah, I think both of our teams are going to be right there at the end this year, which is not something either of us saw coming. So I'm really excited to see how that unfolds. Yeah. I think the Rays have some, some bad juju with the glass now injury. I just, to me, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it together. Yeah. I mean, obviously losing a guy like him mid season is one of the worst things that can happen to you. Uh, and in terms of the lineup, like I, they've obviously done a good job of cobbling together some run production, but they don't have anybody in that lineup who's going to scare you the way that, uh, uh, a Martinez or a Bogarts or even a Verdugo does to some extent. So I, I just, I don't, I'm not sure where they're going to be at. Um, they're obviously letting Wander Franco work out the kinks at the big league level. And that could uh, cost them a win or two here and there as well with that guy batting in the two or three hole every single day. So yeah, I, I think the, the East is, is kind of in the red. It's the Red Sox for the taking certainly, but what about the Yankees, man? Like what the hell is happening to the Yankees right now? And why, why can't they win games with the roster they've compiled? So I think it starts out with the hitting. And I mean, Luke Voigt not hitting, uh, Hicks not hitting. But then, not, not on the team right now. He's out for the season, so can't really count that one. Frazier not hitting. Terrible. Like, but then – those guys, you know, I feel like would be nice additions. That, like, they should hit, but they're not. But then, more importantly, DJ LeMahieu and Gleyber Torres. Like, those are supposed to be your two and four hitters, two and five hitters, one and whatever. And those guys are combined below league average. So, they need more from those guys, first of all. Because um, this lineup is just not producing. They have big names, I guess you could say. But, like... Other than Judge and Stanton, and I guess Urshela is all right, like, you're not really getting much from the lineup. And then they gave up some prospects for Jamison Tyon, and he's not been great. Um, Like, Chapman, I mean, I guess he's good, but then he'll just have these, like, blow-up outings. Um, Kluber was hurt. Um, So, yeah, I mean – they're like everyone panics about the Yankees, and it's just like they're two games over 500. They're not bad. It's just like they're not the Dodgers, and I don't know why their fans think that. Like, and not even just their fans. Like, it doesn't need to be a doomsday scenario that the Yankees are two games over 500. Like, this is a very plausible scenario. Um, not saying that I predicted it, but, like, it's not like they're 10 games under 500. Like, they could get hot here and make a run. So I'm not writing them off. But I mean, I'm not ready to completely write them off, but 
I think it is a little bit more of a doomsday scenario with this team. Like they were supposed to be the best team in the American League. This was supposed to be their championship window, and it's crumbling in front of their faces. Glaber Torres, 38 home runs in 2019. He's had about a season's worth of plate appearances since 2019, maybe a little bit less. He's got six home runs since then. Uh, I don't know what happened to his power, but it's just gone. Same with DJ LeMayhew. His power is pretty much gone. He's hit five or six this year. Most of them have been short porch jobs that wouldn't have been gone anywhere else in all of baseball. Uh, and he's just not – like he's hitting the ball on the ground too much. Uh, he's kind of lost that edge, that drive he had in the past couple of years where he was like really – controlling his at-bats and and working counts and and driving balls into the gaps. So I don't know what's going on with either of those guys. The one guy I do want to shout out from the Yankees is Gary Sanchez. Like he's – everybody wrote Gary Sanchez off as being just unreliable, lazy was a word I heard used a lot to describe Gary. Uh, And he's back. Like he's having a phenomenal year. Honestly, could have made a strong case for him to be the AL starter in the all-star game at catcher. Uh, I think he just peaked too late and Salvi was having a really good season, but he's been hot. It's been really hot, but I don't think it's that fluky. Like I think, I think this was always in there for Gary and he had one really bad um, 60 game stretch last year. And he had some inconsistency back in 2018. But other than that, like Gary's been honestly like a top three offensive catcher in all of baseball for four or five years now. So you have to be happy with what you're getting from him. Uh, but I think the pitching is a bigger issue than we're talking about. And obviously the Yankees struggle to score runs, but uh, I mean, starts at the top. Garrett Cole's had a five ERA since the substance cracked down. So obviously he was one of the biggest names thrown in the substance conversation. And he's been one of the biggest sufferers in terms of spin rate. Uh, Red Sox tagged him for three home runs last time out. Um should be starting tomorrow, I think, for the Yankees. So see how he bounces back from that. But when you don't have a reliable ace to really kind of give you – I mean, they're 8-8 they're eight and eight in the games he starts this year. And that really hurts when you're trying to put together uh, a hot stretch, put yourself in position to be, you know, back I mean, in the yeah, playoff conversation. He still has a 2 six, six ERA. And the substance thing is something. We'll keep an eye on that. It was, but, I mean, it was below Garrett 2. Cole. It was below 2 for a while there in, in the month of May, though. He was yeah. You can't. Truly I'm dominant. saying you can't blame Cole for what, what's happening. Though. I'm not blaming I feel him. Like some some people full are, out. I'm not blaming him full out, but that was like like it or not, they were dependent on winning most of his starts. The way they constructed that team this year, and when you're eight and eight in his starts, some of that is run support. Some of that is him struggling a bit more of late. But I don't know, man. Like he's in, he's still a number one, but he hasn't been like a Cy Young ace. Yeah, uh, we'll and that see. was something they needed from him. I mean, he was before the substance thing. We'll see what happens with the sub. Like it's just like I can't come out here and like predict how certain guys are gonna throw. Mm-hmm. But beyond beyond that, like the back of the rotation has been pretty bad, like you said, and and they also just have this thing like. They find ways – they find new ways to lose and make their fans just gripe and, and bitch and moan and, and ask their – they want the manager fired. They want the GM fired. They want to make every trade under the sun. They still think Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar are good trade pieces that they can net someone for. Like, it's just uh, – there's a lot of bad mojo on that team right now. And I think that for the position they're at, like, they really only have, like, two or three weeks to make a push before they have to – like, they're not going to buy at the deadline if they're – two games above 500 like they are right now. So I'm not saying that their season is over, but 
they're not going to make big moves if they don't do something. Yeah, I do think that the AL wild card is pretty open, though. I mean, is it though? Because you're going to get. I mean, you have to catch the Rays if you're the Yankees because the A's and Astros. So are I'm kind of down on the Rays. I don't think the Rays are. I think the Rays, the glass now, and I just, I don't know. I just don't think that I. I just have bad vibes about them after that whole glass now thing. Like I think they're going to fall back a little. Uh, Cleveland, I, like, is not going to win 95 games, and the A's, like. They're winning, but I don't know. I just don't think the A's are that elite of a team. And as it as it is now, the Yankees are only what like four games back of the A's, five games back. Like A's lose two, Yankees win three. They're they're right in there. So I mean, I think that like I'm not writing the Yankees off as much as everyone. And I'm not. My take is it's not doomsday for them yet. I guess it's not, and clearly like. Part of their problem is they're not treating it as a doomsday scenario. Like some of the players are. Stanton gave a good press conference the other day, but management and then the other guys in the building are really not sold that this is like a, they're not making any big moves right now. Is what I'm trying to say. They're really not. They they keep saying all the same things and not making any changes. So uh, unless the Yankees really turn it on in the next few weeks, I think they are kind of on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff picture this year. Uh, And that doesn't bring me much sadness as a fan of their biggest rivals, but it does, uh, I think, mark a departure from what we've been able to expect from the Yankees throughout their history. Uh, And even in the past decade, like they've always been there in the playoff picture. They only missed the playoffs once. I think baseball needs a Red Sox Yankees playoff series. Again, we got one three years ago. I think that would be great for baseball right now. So I'm pulling for both teams to make the playoffs. And we'll see. I mean, the Yankees would have to probably have to win the wild card game to get to that, which they did do in 2018. Uh, But they're pretty, they're still on the outside looking in it right now. So uh, that's, that's a big picture look at a lot of the, a lot of the teams that are at the forefronts of our minds. Uh, We have, some some more playful segments coming up at the end here but I just wanted to get it out of the way um one of the biggest stories in baseball this week has been uh Trevor Bauer obviously a a really dark situation where he's been accused of some terrible terrible things and been uh, put on administrative leave uh, leave by the league uh, in the past couple days and I don't want to speculate on allegations and honestly uh what's being alleged and what I think it's pretty hard to deny that he at least did uh, whether or not it was consensual is, is pretty terrible. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is how the Dodgers found themselves in this situation to begin with uh, and the response, because I think there have been some serious, serious misgivings in the way the Dodgers have handled this so far. Uh, but just to, to, to open, open the conversation for a minute here. Um, was there anything the Dodgers should have done differently before all this news broke? Like, uh, was, was, were the signs really there that Bauer was a bad signing and a potential character issue, or did this really just kind of hit them out of the blue? Yeah, I think it, this pretty much hit them out of the blue. I mean, I don't, it's hard to really know what to make it. Like, it's just a horrible situation. And at this point, I think we just need to let the, the like, lawyers and all that figure out what is going on here so um but like on the baseball side I feel like this is a pretty significant loss like I don't know if he's going to be pitching again this year to be honest um the whole thing with the Urias spin rates and and uh him not being good I mean 
if that holds true, there's like two of their top four starters are just basically like not productive anymore. Um, so I think this is a huge loss for them. And I think it really hit them out of the blue. I think when they came out with their thing about how he's going to pitch and whatnot, like, I don't think they really understood the severity of the whole situation. And uh, yeah, now he's pretty much gone and this is going to be a, this is just kind of a big thing for them. So. Yeah. And I think that to touch on that point, the way that they just kind of put their hands in the air and said, we can't do anything about this just completely missed the mark. MLB has been trying to make a point of being better about, uh, domestic abuse, sexual assault situations in the past year uh, and cracking down a little bit harder in terms of the suspensions for some of these guys. Uh, and the Dodgers just saying like, oh, MLB told us that he should start, so we're going to keep starting him. That was so tone deaf. Um, clearly, somebody in the building hadn't actually read that athletic report. Uh, and I can't blame them because the athletic put it behind a paywall. But uh, when you do get into what is actually being alleged and honestly, like, the woman went to the hospital. Uh, she had concussion symptoms and actually a fractured skull. So it's not as if you can say that it's like allegations. It's uh, Bowers just trying to make the point that I mean, she he for sure to. did stuff that he shouldn't have done. Yeah, it's, there's no debating that he did honestly like punishable offenses. Like whatever someone consents to, like they don't consent to be unconscious and or sent to the hospital. So there's not much debate there in my eyes. And the fact that they were just going to trot him out there on the mound on Sunday, on the 4th of July in the nation's capital, just peacocking for the whole world to see, like, was he going to do like sword celebrations and stuff? Like that was just so, I, I can't believe they were about to do that before the MLB finally stepped in. Yeah. This whole power situation is really just spiraled out of control. And uh, yeah, I haven't really seen his agent. <laughs> no, no, she's not been very active. Um, it's been a, probably a pretty unfortunate situation for her career where she really did build a lot of her brand off of this one player who was honestly doing a lot of really good things for the visibility of baseball, whether you liked him or not. Um, but clearly there was a lot more to him than just angry or aggressive tweets. Uh, and it is a bad situation for baseball like it's there have been a lot of things that have been really bad for for the game this year in terms of the public image and this is probably the worst one so not something that I wanted to spend a lot of time on but had to touch on because it is I mean we talk about state of the show like what the state of the game like that is one of the most visible most upsetting things yeah. and it's big the for the Dodgers I mean using two of their top I mean Bauer and then maybe Urias too like mm -hmm. May's already done like I mean, and yeah, I mean, Dustin May, who you touched on, he was, uh, all three of those guys were part of like the deepest rotation in baseball. And now you wonder if they might have to go out and make a trade uh, to improve that rotation. Like they've got some options in house, Gonsolin, David Price, et cetera, uh, mm -hmm. Victor Gonzalez even. But I don't know if you can count on those guys when you're in a, a heated division race. And uh, honestly, like there's other teams in the NL that are pretty scary too. So. It is, from the baseball side of things, it yeah. is a big loss. Okay, can we talk about another scary team in the NL? Let's do it. Because my Milwaukee Brewers are on a 10-game winning streak here, Rob. And I was high on their pitching to start this season off. And it has really come through. And I think Craig Council is the best manager in baseball. And this team is just piecing together wins. There's no one in the lineup that's 
going to catch your eye right now. I mean, Yelich is starting to play a little bit better, but Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, Hayter, Williams, throw in Adrian Hauser, who I think is actually kind of nasty and is going to have a good second half of the year. And they've got a seven and a half game lead in this division. Really, no one else playing well in this division right now. No, that's the biggest point to me is the division itself. I don't know. I like the Brewers a lot, but I don't. I think if they were in the the AL East or the NL West, like we wouldn't be talking about them as serious contenders. That's my only thing about them. I mean, I don't know if they're they're World Series contenders, but I mean, you put them in the the, the other division in the NL, but not the West, the East. I mean, they have saying it's, it's eight and a half game lead, a bigger lead. Um, so, I mean, I think that this team is, is pretty strong and they look like one of the first teams that in, in, uh, the MLB that you can really start picturing them like being in the playoffs. Cause I don't really know who's going to challenge them in this division that much. Yeah. So those are two separate points. I completely agree that they're, they're almost unchallenged in that division right now, uh, we want to talk about disappointments. No team has disappointed me like the St. Louis Cardinals have this year. Uh, injuries have contributed to that too, so it's not like I can just fully bash them for the roster they've built, but the performance on the field just hasn't been there. Um, and, and some of the spin rate things have affected them, I'm sure, too, especially guys like Kim uh, and, and even Carlos Martinez to a certain extent. But from the Brewers' standpoint, like I don't know how, how much we can buy into them as a legitimate contender And I'm usually the last person to do this, but I took a look at their recent schedule and who they've been beating. And 10-game winning streaks are 10-game winning streaks. Great months are great months. But the teams they played in June were the Tigers, Diamondbacks, Reds, Pirates, Reds again, Rockies, Diamondbacks again, Rockies again, and then the Cubs. And now they're playing the Pirates again. So, like, that is one of the weakest schedules you could possibly draw up. And I think that the sheer number of games they are over 500 coupled with the winning streak is going to trip people into thinking they're maybe a little bit scarier than they actually are is my only point. So I think they're going to win that division. I think they're going to be there in the playoffs. And once the playoffs start, anything can happen. But I also don't really think that that lineup is on par with most of the other contending lineups in the National League, especially those West teams. And I think the pitching is really good, but I don't necessarily think that like top to bottom, it's such a dominant staff that it's going to make up the difference in the offense. So that's that's where I stand on the I, I think I'm interested to see what they do with the deadline because uh, Stearns is very smart, I think. And he's made moves at the deadline before, like when he got Moustakis. Um, that was big for them that year. And I think if he can add like an under-the-radar bat or two and then maybe one pitcher who's going to come through for them, um, like the uh, Aldis Chaucine type from a few years ago and extend that pitching rotation to where if you're in a playoff series and you've got to go through Woodruff, Burns, this other dude, Peralta coming out of the pen to Williams to Hayter, like that's, you know, I'm not saying that they're the favorites, but that's just going to be a tough series for anyone to win. Yeah, um, and especially a short series. Like you do, I, I wouldn't want to see the Brewers in the NLDS put it that way Um, yeah I I don't really see them winning back-to-back seven game series on the back of that offense but you do never know like pitching is at a premium in the postseason Uh, and we talk about like teams 
making smart trades. Like they already made one earlier in the season. And that was, I think it was covered, but we didn't cover it enough. And we didn't talk about um, Willie Adamas as being a spark plug, uh, but, but he's providing leadership to that team as a 26 year old who just came in uh, and, and is playing the most important position you could argue on the defense. Uh, he's, he's been really the most important OPS for the Brewers. So he's been, great for them yeah no really 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 good uh and honestly like the rays would probably take him back right now if they could despite uh the production they've gotten out of the pitchers in that trade i think he'd still opt for the bat the way he's been hitting so do you ever figure out why the cardinals just got rid of colden long i mean good defensive player 830 ops like yeah no he's been way better than expectations this year uh did win a gold glove last year but i think in general it was just a situation where st louis felt like they had other talented infielders and didn't want to pay wong what he was probably going to get in the open market and obviously it it hurts them that he's gone to a division rival and and outperformed expectations he's been one of the brewers best players hitting lead off every day great second baseman you know here was such an issue at second base uh, defensively and offensively, he sucked this year. So, um, yeah, I'm high on the Brewers. I I wouldn't want to see the Brewers in the NLDS. That's my official stance on them. I um, yeah. if we're talking I, about I, like serious contenders, I think they're right on the fringe of teams who I could and could not see actually competing for a World Series this year. Uh, but in terms of like that division, I think they've got it on lock, and I wouldn't want to see them, even if I don't necessarily believe them to win it all and then win all those back-to-back series so that's the brew crew talk um last thing before we kind of touch on our cross-offs here uh we made predictions at the beginning of the year uh i had an astros dodgers world series i want to say right now publicly even with the dodgers going through what they went through i'm sticking with that prediction we're at the midway point of the season giving ourselves an opportunity to switch our, our world series teams who we think is going to be in there I think if that series happened, I might actually pick the Astros now when I did pick the Dodgers at the beginning of the season. But uh, just for, for the purposes of the thought exercise, I'm, I'm keeping my Astros-Dodgers World Series intact. Mm-hmm. Tosh, you said you had a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. Uh, are you going to stick with that? Uh, question for you, Astros guy. Uh, is Justin Verlander just falling off the face of the planet or I mean, he had Tommy John. He's, so is he going to be back for the, for the playoffs? No, or? no, he's out for the year. Cause I mean, he, he entered it like at the beginning of last year. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, so did sale. Uh, like Verlander's timeline got pushed back a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Cause I feel like if they had a true ace, I would for sure pick them. I think they do have a true ace. His name's Framber Valdez and he's disgusting. He <laughs> is, but I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think if, if they could push him back to a number two, um, I, I think I think you're on to the Astros, though. I think I, I do think they're the best team. If you look at the run differential, I mean, they are running away with yeah. – I mean, run differential isn't everything, but they're 25 runs better than the Dodgers and way more than that in terms of everyone else, especially yeah. in the AL. So I think the Astros are a pretty easy pick right now. I do think, though, if they could have – if, if Verlander, I don't know why he pushed back his Tommy John. But. Well, he I mean, he just wasn't ready. Like, it's not really something you can make a decision on. Like, he just – He's a little bit older. He's put a lot of miles on his arm. He he had the surgery after sale. He didn't have the surgery until kind of mid last season. So these things take as long as they take to heal. And obviously he'd be a great piece to have, but they have a lot of great pieces already. Uh, and the Astros yeah. do this thing that's really smart. Uh, and you have to credit them in terms of like they, 
they obviously did some things that went outside the rule book, but all the things they've done in terms of player development and analytics for the past five years within the rules have been super, super smart. And one of them is they take guys out of Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, who are 20 years old uh, and are basically past their expiration date in terms of the way those countries view young prospects. So they sign them for dirt cheap and they turn into great pieces in the rotation. Guys like Urquidy, um, they, they just come out. <laughs> Garcia, another one. Like They just have these guys in the rotation who didn't get properly valued at the time they were teenagers, and now they're making pennies as 24-year-olds and, and putting together really good seasons. So I believe in the Astros, and I think, honestly, if I had to pick a World Series champ right now, I'd, I'd probably lean towards them. Yeah, I, I'm in – I'm in alignment with you on that. I, so I think the Astros are clear-cut favorites in the AL, and I think the close team behind them is the White Sox, and then I think the Red Sox are the other team that I would consider. But def, I, I have the Astros. Now the NL, I think, is a little bit harder because um, I'm not getting good vibes about the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers lineup is very good, don't get me wrong, but – with Bellinger hitting the way he is and with Seager not uh, in the lineup and Lux hasn't been great, um, Betts hasn't been MVP, Mookie Betts, like their lineup is not like by far the best in baseball. And their pitching does worry me a little bit. Um, I think they are the favorites though. Yeah. And you look at, you could look at that the reverse way too. Like, MVP Mookie Betts is clearly still in there somewhere and he's been coming alive a little bit more as of late. So if you get him back in the nines in terms of OPS instead of the mid eights, like that makes a huge difference. Uh, if Bellinger does turn it on, I mean, he's a former MVP, like that's not something to just scoff at. Uh, and Muncie's been really good. Muncie kind of owns the Giants, which is something that I'd be a little scared about if I were you. Um, he doesn't just kind of own the Giants, like he's the Giants' father. So uh, okay. Seven months, seven home runs. Next month, he's on one World Series in a 60-game season. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what that has to do with anything. He's got seven home runs in uh, nine games. Congrats. Max Muncy's a great regular season player, and he's been playing well. He had some huge postseason home runs, too, even in years they didn't win at all. Like, I don't even know. Max Muncy's good. I gave Max (laughs) Muncy all the credit. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, um, You didn't talk about Chris Taylor, either. Chris Taylor's been really, really good this year. Um, Probably will be an all-star. Definitely deserves it. Um, So, I mean, I don't want to just pick the Dodgers. So, I'm going to go with the Brew Crew. I I, I think that their their pitching is really good, and I'm excited to see what they do at the deadline. And I – I don't – I mean, I think between the Padres, Dodgers, Giants, and Brewers, I think all those teams have about the same odds to go to the World Series. Maybe the Giants a little bit less than those other three. I'd put the Brewers and maybe even below the Giants, too. I'd say people are still – I don't know. I think the Dodgers are the clear-cut favorite when you break it down that way because the Padres really haven't been that great in the past month and a half or so. So I don't know if Padres I, I are might put the Giants ahead of the Padres. Right? Padres are a little overrated, and the whole Blake Snell thing—just him, just not being good—and I mean, having no control—that's huge for them because they were expecting Darvish Snell to be one-two, bona fide one-two, and they got more out of Musgrove than they thought. But in Lamet, like he's not really a factor. So I'm I'm out on the Padres. Uh, a little bit, but they, they're still 
pretty talented. Uh, I mean, they have, like, they have the ability on any given night to just put together a run barrage. Um, yeah. It's not, like, they're, they've got kind of an it factor. Too. I'm a little bit more worried about the Dodgers pitching than you are, though, I think, because I'm not, like, I'll be a little bit surprised if Bauer pitches again this year. He them. shouldn't. I'll get that out of the way right now. If Bauer throws another pitch this year, uh, I don't I don't see how MLB can possibly purport to be serious about their their crackdown on domestic violence when, when yeah that's and and May's out and then Urias has not been very good since the whole uh, sticky substance stuff. So to me, their pitching rotation is a little bit fluky. But I think this is a big deadline. Like teams. I, I don't think it's going to be a lot of trades, but I think there could be a few big trades um, of, like, mid-tier players that could make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the only star, quote-unquote, that you're probably going to see still get moved would be Trevor Story. Um, what about Joey Gallo? I think – Oh, yeah. No, be... that's, a, that's a big piece as well. I, I honestly – I would kind of like to see Joey Gallo in a Red Sox uniform, but – I would like to see him in a Giants uniform. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's so I – mean, Joey Gallo's got, I believe, nine home runs in his last eight games, and that's including a game where he didn't homer last night. And he's a good fielder. Yeah, and he's, he's a gold glover, and he's got a cannon of an arm. He's honestly um, – he's, he's Hunter Renfro with a little bit less uh, – like a little, hit, a little less hit tool, but more of a power tool. Uh, yeah. And I'd love to see him uh, – I, I, the only problem is I'm not sure where the Red Sox would work him in if they'd have to do some sort of platoon and get him some games at DH and get him some games even on the, at first base. Like, that could be a potential option, but I'd, I'd, I'd still love to see them try to make it work. I feel like he could potentially play some center field for you guys. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't necessarily want to take uh, Kike's bat out of the lineup the way he's been playing lately, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, they don't really have a center fielder, so being, if, if they were going to trade for an outfielder, it might be nice to see them go get somebody who's like a true bona fide defensive center fielder, but yeah, there's not really anyone available. Hard to get those guys. Yeah. So anyway – that's a, a super broad, big picture look at where we see teams in Major League Baseball right now. Um, it was pretty unstructured. That's kind of how we are. Uh, we got all of our thoughts out there. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm, we're as much as we're a little bit down on the state of the show right now in terms of the optics, like we're still so excited to see the rest of this season. Uh, and I'm sure there are going to be some, some crazy things happen at the deadline and some crazy things happen down the stretch. But uh, last item, last agenda item here, uh, we, we got to talk about uh, our cross-offs. And, and I don't want to run a 5K in jeans, Sash. That's not something I want to do. So I want to make sure that we're crossing off the right teams, uh, but still getting to that point where at the start of September, we're down to 14. Uh, and we've only got two more months <laughs> between now and then, uh, not including this one. So, I'd say we got to get rid of at least two. Uh, as a side note, we've already crossed off the Rockies, the Orioles, the Rangers, the D-backs, the Pirates, and the Tigers, Tosh. Tigers have been the one team that we've crossed off that have been a little bit frisky as of late. Uh, I don't believe in them seriously. I don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think we're really in any danger of that. But uh, it does go to show you that it will put a little bit of a bee in your bonnet if you cross off a team and they start to get hot a little bit. So we want to make sure we're getting the right teams out of here. I'm, I'm very glad we didn't cross off the Mariners or Nationals yet. No. Because – I was not considering crossing off the Nats last time, but the Mariners, I was like – I I didn't – I didn't come I back close to doing it. it. Yeah, it was <laughs> – I, 
I don't think I would have done it, but we were, we were definitely debating it just a little bit. So they're out of the picture. The Nats are definitely out of the picture. Um, let's start with the obvious one, though. Can we cross off the Kansas City Royals? One and nine in their last ten. They're 15 games out. They just have, I don't know, they're a team that, like, has some interesting, like, Q2, I feel like. But I do think that we can cross them off. Yeah, so here's, I mean, I just watched the Royals a lot. Um, they actually did take two out of three from the Sox in Kansas City a couple weeks back, but then they came to Fenway and looked so lifeless. Uh, first two games of that series were so winnable for them. Garrett Richards was awful. Uh, the next night, Nick Pavetta was pretty awful too, and they had the lead in both of those games. And really, I wasn't even ever that worried because their pitching staff can't hold leads. Their offense just doesn't have the clutch gene at all uh and yeah they're i think they're just completely out of it at this point yeah. i mean we're that talking is. about like records is the thing like at a 34 and 47 clip right now they basically have to only lose like 25 more games for the rest of the season to be a realistic playoff contender so i don't, yeah. I don't no, see i think you can cross them off the one the crossing off from the al does scare me a little bit just because i have way more confidence in the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants all to make the playoffs. So, like, the NL wild card is a little bit less risky. But, yeah, I think we can cross off the Royals. Um, so, let's make that official. That's official. Go. Now, I want to talk about their division foe, the Twins. Uh, I'm about ready to pull the trigger on the Twins. So, I yeah. Really am. I, you know, I knew we were doing this pod a few days ago, and I was thinking about the cross-off teams, and I see that the Twins are playing – the White Sox in a three-game series, and I say, I was saying, okay, I'm gonna keep monitor this series, and depending on what happens in this series, we're, I think we're gonna know. And uh, they got swept. So and none I, of the games were particularly close either. And so in the middle of I all of it, they had a little drama. Like they had the the Josh Donaldson thing with Giolito and him talking shit. And you think that might fire a team up? But no, like they just yeah. went in the shitter from there. Like he hits those home runs, and then all of a sudden they're getting blown mm-hmm. out in both of those games. They've given up uh, 437 runs. The Dodgers have given up 306. Yeah, so. their pitching staff's miserable. Like they should be much better with the offense that they've put together on paper. Uh, and the Buxton injury obviously hurts, and I guess you never know if he ever comes back healthy this year, but – I'm doing it. If the Twins, if the Minnesota Twins, my friend Charlie Levitt's favorite team, are going to be the team to make me run a 5K in jeans, like, tip my hat. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, so let's cross them off, too. Um, I've got one more that we should talk about. I I know that you're, like, kind of weirdly high on this team, and we might not get to crossing them off today, but I want to at least have a serious conversation about the Miami Marlins. So... First thing I see when I see the Marlins is a plus 20 run differential. It's that so makes weird. Me it's very so scared. weird. And it's because they've only allowed 295 runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the best, one of the best in baseball. Like, yeah, big pitcher's park for sure. That's true. But still, I mean, they've got arms. Pablo they Lopez, Alcantara. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, Rogers. Like, yeah. So I don't think we crossed them off yet. Uh, they're only eight and a half games out here, Rob. But they're mean, they're they, in fifth though. Like yeah, they're but, not gonna make but, the they're not gonna make the playoffs as a wild card and they're in fifth in their division. They so. win they win six in a row, which is very doable with their rotation. And I mean they're right back in this. But they're not trying to win this year is the other thing. I think there's a different AL East team that we should consider crossing off, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies, who are just completely lifeless. 
I mean, they are. They just scream a little bit below 500 team to me. But um, they're four and a half games ahead of the Marlins, and they have a better roster, most people would say. So I don't think we can they have, don't have the, the arms the Marlins do. I don't think we can have the Phillies conversation before we have the Marlins conversation. Like, where's like who are the Harper, Real Muto, and Hoskins in the Marlins lineup? Because we haven't Reese even Hoskins, talked about that. Reese Hoskins is by far the worst feeling first baseman I've ever seen in my life. But what does that life. matter? It's first base. Just saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Marlins don't have the bats. Like, but they did get World Series winner Joe Panic recently. Oh, my gosh. Um, Aguilar was playing third base for them the other day, J-Rob. You want to talk about a defensive liability? I mean, put, put the 280-pound guy at third base. That's a defensive liability way to have Jared, what scares me is Sandy Alcantara, 3.12 ERA, Trevor Rogers, 2.14, Pablo Lopez, 2.97. And they're still losing with all these guys playing the way they are. Like, are they just going to – can these guys hit for them too? Are you going to guarantee me that they all stay healthy and they're going to add? I don't want to run a 5K. All right. So I think we hold off for a little bit because – if if they if they win a few like even if they just win like four in a row they could be right back in there. I mean they do play two against two in Atlanta, four against Dodgers, and then three against the Braves. So I I guess these games the Braves are going to be big because if they can somehow they've got four with the Braves coming in, five with the Braves if they can take four of those and then maybe split with the Dodgers. They got Rogers, Lopez, and Alcantara going in that series like. I'm not writing them off. Like, I'm not writing them off yet. All right. Well, I have one promise to the people, and that's by the end of next month, we will at least get rid of one team in the gosh darn NL East. And I have a very strong inkling as to who it's going to be, and it's going to be this team right here. But we'll see. I'm so down on the Phillies. I'm really down on the Braves, too. This whole division, like the Nats have been hot lately, good for them. Really excited to see them getting back into the thick of things. I'm really still proud of the Mets with the season they've put together and the injuries that they've had throughout their roster. But damn, that division. I had high hopes for that division, man. Like all, all five of those teams could have theoretically been above 500 and it's just been such a struggle bus. But that's where we're at for the cross-offs right now. We've only done eight. We got some work to do in the next two months, but I have faith that some of these teams will begin to separate themselves. And that is basically all we had to talk about today. Uh, before we go, uh, Wait, one any, last one. any last topics yeah, you need to talk we, about? Did we potentially think about crossing out the Cardinals? Or are we not <laughs> um, I don't think we're doing it just yet. I, I, hate, I hate the Cardinals right now. They make me want to throw up. But I'm not ready to cross off teams that are right about 500 just because there's so many games left to play. Yeah. If you want to talk about them, like we need to talk about crossing off the Angels too. Or we're gonna get on the Cardinals. We'll give them. We'll give them another few weeks. They're getting another month. A lot of these teams. I'm looking at you with the stink eye. Like you, you get one more month, and then I'm starting to to lower the hammer. And it goes for most of the teams in the Central. Honestly, like the Cubs and Reds are not far behind. So we'll see. But that's that's what we got for the month of June. Tosh, anything you're really looking forward to in the month of July as we set sail here? I mean, the All-Star game is always fun. Home run derby in course Field. Sure, interested for that. And, and then, of course, like, the trade deadline coming up. Like, that's – that I'm very excited for that. I think that could – you know, I don't think there's going to be that many guys move, but I do think there will be some big additions to some teams. And so I'm interested to see that. And, uh, and, and yeah, they just continuing the sticky substance stuff and how that's impacting guys is going to be interesting to watch too. 
So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got here. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have said any better. It's going to be a, an action-packed month that we have laid out in front of us. Uh, to pull back the curtain for people out there, uh, I'm actually moving across the country in less than a week and not exactly sure what my recording schedule is going to look like. I, I for sure know that I want to continue to do these monthly State of the Show episodes and would love to try and continue to get as many exciting guests on the pod as often as I can. Uh, but just full transparency, not sure what that schedule is going to look like yet. So. Uh, until then, I've, I've really enjoyed putting these together. This episode 10, we've come a pretty long way so far, and still I think we can do a lot more with this. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to keep following us on socials at LL2Baseball. Tosh, you've been following on socials. I see you tweeting back. Of course. And uh, keep it clean, and I can't wait to talk more when we come back in, uh, in a month. Uh, and as a side note, the Yankees are down 8-1 to one right now, so clearly they've got some serious issues that they still haven't worked out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.